Bud Light has officially been dethroned as America's beer, losing the title along with more than 25% of its sales. So now that the dust has settled, let's do an autopsy on the marketing campaign that started it all and pull three key principles that you can use in your business to avoid the same fate. Welcome back to the Honest Marketing Podcast, where you learn proven strategies to grow your business without selling your soul. I'm your host, Travis Hall Britton, and this is the very first in a new installment series, potentially, here on the podcast uh, called Marketing Fails, where we deconstruct and take a look at marketing campaigns and initiatives that didn't work the way that they expected they would work by the companies that ran them and pull key principles that we can apply in our businesses to avoid similar fiascos. And the first installment we're going to give to Bud Light. Now, right at the top, I will let you know that in this episode, what we're not going to be doing is picking winners and losers or saying this party is right, this party is wrong in any of these things. We're looking at this completely objectively saying, what can we learn from seeing this whole thing unfold to help us be better informed as business owners, entrepreneurs, and marketers to serve our customers and grow our businesses, okay? So this is not about Bud Light is right or wrong. This is not about taking a stance on any kind of cultural issue. It's purely scientific and objective. What can we learn? What can we take away as key principles that can help us be better informed about our own marketing? So just as a brief history of Bud Light in the last couple of months with their marketing team, uh, during this year's March Madness Tournament, which is at the end of March, beginning of April, Bud Light partnered with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney in an attempt to expand the brand beyond its core customer base, trying to tap into a younger market, trying to tap into uh, people that aren't necessarily drinking light beer. They're going with seltzers. They're going with uh, spirits and things like that. And so it was this idea, this attempt to like, let's jump into social media. Let's start partnering with some influencers that have some pull in these kind of demographics. And let's do something creative in order to expand our appeal and, and maybe get people to consider drinking Bud Light that don't typically drink light beer. And needless to say, it didn't work out too well <laughs> for Bud Light. Uh, rather than adding more customers on top of their existing core customer base, instead it sparked this wide scale boycott against the brand that has persisted months later, it hasn't waned, is actually solidified. And so now not only has Bud Light lost its spot at the top of the light beer pecking order, it's now become uncool to drink by its core audience, basically brand death, where simply seeing Bud Light or associating Bud Light with you, if you're one of the previous core customers, is now uncool. So it'd be kind of like if uh, if Jeep decided they were going to stop making off-road vehicles and only make Toyota Priuses, right? It'd be a complete uh, 180 from what their brand is known for by the people that associate themselves with the brand and would just completely erode the, the integrity of that brand as far as what it stands for. Not that Priuses are bad and 4x4s are good, but just that Jeep means something. That brand means something to the people that drive them. In the same way that Bud Light and being a Bud Light drinker had a certain connotation, had a certain connection, emotional connection for the people that drank it. And now that connection has been eroded and we're seeing that with less people buying it. So again, without picking winners and looters, losers, let's just do an autopsy of this marketing fail and we're calling it a fail specifically because of the loss of 
market share and the loss of sales, which if the goal of marketing is to make more money, then this did not work for Bud Light. Okay. So lesson number one for all of us is know your customer, know your customer. Uh, Now they may seem elementary. It may seem basic. Like, of course, know your customer. Why would you not know your customer? But it's easy to take our existing customer base for granted in the pursuit of tapping into new markets or tapping into new uh, kinds of customers. So this is, I think, the mistake that Bud Light made, that they weren't necessarily uh, neglecting their existing customer base, but in an attempt to appeal to a new group of people that made some missteps. So the VP of marketing, the person responsible for the campaign, did an interview where she said that their goal, their overarching goal, the purpose of their marketing team and the thing that they were going to be focusing on was to expand the appeal of Bud Light beyond the, quote, fratty, out-of-touch brand image that the brand represented. So that was the mental picture that they had of a Bud Light drinker. They were kind of like a fratty, out-of-touch person that wasn't kind of like hip with the times. They they weren't uh, modern, forward-thinking in the way that they thought about it. Not exactly a ringing endorsement (laughs) that you love your customers and want to delight them with your product. Uh, So in general, Bud Light drinkers are typically more conservative, both politically and culturally. So having Bud Light weigh into the ongoing gender culture war was a misfire for them because what it did was it signaled and communicated that we, Bud Light, now associate our brand with these ideas. Because when you partner with someone influential, a celebrity endorsement, which is essentially what this was, then you're saying this celebrity and all this celebrity represents is aligned with us and our company and what we do and how we think about the world. And so Bud Light didn't stop to ask, how will our existing customers react when they see this campaign and they see that we are aligning ourselves with a celebrity endorsement and what this person represents? And then will this align with their overall values and worldview or Will it feel like a betrayal of those values? Well, our existing customer and client base see this and think that's an extension of me, of how I see the world, and of how I operate in the world and what's important to me, whether it be an alignment or a disconnect. And so because they didn't stop to consider that, it ended up being the latter. It ended up being a disconnect. And so again, this isn't about saying who's right and who's wrong, uh, just an external observation of the dynamics as they played out. Uh, There are certainly examples of more progressive leaning groups boycotting companies for taking conservative stances on things. Okay. So this isn't just one direction, but for Bud Light, this is kind of how it played out. So what's the core takeaway? Number one takeaway from this uh, little marketing fail autopsy we were doing, don't neglect your existing customers. When you're thinking about new marketing initiatives, new uh, people and markets that you're wanting to tap into, make sure that in your pursuit of capturing those new markets, that you don't lose the foothold and the foundation that you've built with your existing customer base, okay? Um, Don't neglect your existing customers and make sure you consider how they will respond to what you and your company do and say in the public square and how you position yourself. Because brand is really about positioning, right? Like going back to the Jeep example, people don't buy Jeeps necessarily because they logically make sense as vehicles, okay? If you're not going off-road all the time, if you're not driving in the Sahara desert and you're not going camping and you don't have all these external, you know, outdoors aspirations, but you still want to buy a Jeep. Why do you want to buy a Jeep? You want people to see that you are a Jeep owner and associate the things that 
identify that brand as being unique with you. You want people to see you as adventurous, outdoorsy, down to earth, you know, someone who loves to have fun. All the things that the Jeep brand represents, you want to also be said of you. And so when we're talking about brand connection and people having an emotional association with your brand or company, that's what we're talking about, that the brand or the company that they choose to do business with is a reflection of them, that when they see, they want other people to see them in the way that they see the brand. And so for Bud Light, there is this huge disconnect, all right? So you gotta know your customer, and you gotta make sure that your brand is aligned with what your customer cares about. And we're gonna get to that in takeaway number three. But number two, the number two takeaway that I think all of us can can really pull from this is avoid becoming a commodity. Avoid becoming a commodity. What is that? A commodity is a product space where there's very little differentiation between what is offered. So think toothpaste, deodorant, bottled water, light beer, where on, you know, the products are relatively the same, right? You can swap them in and out and you won't see much of a difference. And so the difference is made up in branding. How do people associate the quality or the perceived quality of the products based on the brand? Bud Light is intentionally mediocre. It is in a commodity market and it's intentionally mediocre to appeal to as many people as possible, right? So this is some of the problems with some of these CPG, these higher, uh, you know, market cap brands and companies run into is their customer is everyone, which is very, very difficult. It's very, very difficult to appeal to people that drink beverages, okay? Because that's everyone. But Bud Light is, an in, is intentionally vanilla. It's intentionally neutral. It's intentionally blah, because then it doesn't offend any particular person's sensibility as far as like taste is concerned. And it fills a core need, which is I want to drink alcohol for cheap. And so the problem with that, by having that mass market appeal, is that it's very easy for your customers to switch to a competitor, right? If you're looking at Bud Light, Miller Light, and Coors Light, they're virtually the same thing. People might quibble about the details, but it's it's like Coke Pepsi, right? Where it's a cola, it's a light beer. And so if you have a reason to try a different light beer, the switching cost, cost is very easy because they're so similar. And so when you think about your company and what you offer, why is your company the best, the fastest, the cheapest in the eyes of your customers? How do you differentiate yourself in the sea of other options? And how easy would it be for your customers to find a viable alternative to what you do and what you provide for them? So I think about for me in my own business, Honest Podcast, where I do podcast production services for business owners, business owners and entrepreneurs. Are there other agencies and agency type groups that produce branded podcasts? Of course. So I always have to think what is going to differentiate me from those other companies? Why would somebody work with me instead of them? Why would they go to me instead of them? Is it because I'm the best, the fastest, or the cheapest? If you want to see, uh, you know, have that spelled out in more detail, like why those three things are typically the way you want to position your company, there is actually an episode of this podcast you can go back to. I think it's a uh, good, fast, cheap pick one is the name of the podcast. That'll uh, be linked in the show notes below. Uh, but consider what's going to make you different and what's going to make it very difficult for your customers to change away from you. So for me, the things that make me different are myself, my own previous experience working in the podcast industry, being the head of content at Buzzsprout, working with hundreds of thousands of podcasters 
to help them launch successful shows. I bring that to the table and that kind of wisdom and experience you can't find easily replicated elsewhere. Uh, I've also positioned my services as being the best. So it's a very white glove experience, high, high attention to detail, uh, focus on new uh, mediums. So YouTube and other platforms that are starting to come into their own in podcasting where other agencies kind of stick with what they know. We're looking towards the future and really positioning our clients' podcasts to be ready to take advantage of those opportunities. And so those are the kind of things that, that I do that are rare in my industry. And so if somebody works with me and they have me producing their podcast, then it's very difficult to find that unique blend of offers in someone else's agency, which creates a higher cost of switching because you're actually giving something up. It's not as easy as instead of buying this light beer, I just go two feet over and pick up this case of light beer, right? You want it to be really hard for your customers to find something that's almost the same as you because then you can distinguish yourself and you can be really valuable, right? So the more you can distinguish yourself in the eyes of your customers, the less likely they are to look elsewhere for other options. So key takeaway number two, avoid becoming a commodity because it really makes you vulnerable to sudden shifts in the market. And then the third key lesson for all of us is to stay true to your values. Stay true to your values. This is a lot easier to do if you're a small business, if the founder of the company is still running the company, because then the company ethos and culture kind of takes on the identity of the owner and the founder. And this is really important on a number of fronts. Bud Light made two key errors in this marketing campaign in the backlash. Number one, they didn't consider their core audience. We talked about that already. The second key error that they made, though, was they did not commit to a stance or position after the fallout of everything that happened. Because they could have gone a number of ways. They could have doubled down on the marketing campaign, say, no, this is who we are. This is what we want to stand for. We're making an intentional pivot in this direction for this reason. We're not apologizing, right? We made a conscious decision that was in line with the values of our company and what we want to be known for and, re and represent moving forward. They could have done that. Or they could have reversed course, had a mea culpa moment, apologized, and say, we are recommitting to serving our existing audience, the people that have grown up loving Bud Light, our loyal Bud Light drinkers. We're here for you, and we've heard from you. We're going to stay out of these social conversations. They could have done either of those things, and they chose to do neither. Because on the one hand, they don't want to fully uh, you know, go whole hog in this new direction because they've seen the impact on their bottom line. But they also don't want to reverse course because there are other pressures and other external uh, you know, interests that really want them to go in the other direction and even at the expense of their own bottom line, take a social stance. So they feel like they're caught between a rock and a hard place where if you're just looking at what with clear eyes makes the most sense, they have to choose a path. They're either going back to what they used to be known for and doubling down on that to try and regain the trust and rebuild the brand, or they have to completely pivot and com commit wholeheartedly to this new direction. But they didn't either because they feared repercussion repercussions from both sides. Uh, and so they've pleased nobody. <laughs> they've obviously pleased neither group and they're stuck in the middle. So why does this, how does this reflect back on, you know, staying true to your values? When you make value-centered marketing decisions, your business is predictable. Your messaging is consistent. And what that means is that people 
feel confident that they know who you are and what you stand for. This used to not be important. We're nearly as important where people would literally just compare widgets and say which one's the best one and then pick it. But now that we've kind of turned the corner with social media into this era of social activism as capitalism, where consumers are much more in tune with the kinds of companies they're doing business with and wanting to support companies with their dollars that produce products that they want, but also that the company's values reflect their own values. And so this is becoming a much more a part of the kind of cultural zeitgeist of how consumers are thinking about doing business with companies. And so when you can be upfront about your business's values, what you stand for, then people know what you stand for and that attracts the kind of customers that are going to resonate with those values. And so in the instance of Bud Light, so let's say that they, upon some internal review, decided not to pursue this uh, social media engagement with this influencer and instead said, you know what, we're going to produce the advertisement and the commercial they actually posted right afterwards to try and save face where it's Zach Brown band. You got these, you know, young, attractive people at an outdoor music uh, festival, drinking Bud Light, having fun, uh, you know, and that's kind of the the association, like drink a Bud Light while you're having fun. is like an all-American kind of feel and vibe to it. They could have done that or they could say, nope, this is the new direction. We're going wholeheartedly in this direction and we're pivoting. So when you think about your own marketing campaigns, how are you positioning your company? What kind of language are you using? Uh, Who are you partnering with? If you're using celebrity endorsements, do those celebrities represent everything that you and your business represent? Do they represent your customers? Do your customers see them as an aspirational identity that they associate with? I mean, that's really the power of celebrity endorsements, right? So if, if George Clooney says, this is now my vodka, or this is now my tequila, or, you know, I drive this kind of car, then you are attaching your brand to all the things that people like about George Clooney. Now, if he has some baggage associated with him, you also get attached to that baggage. But that's kind of the nature of celebrity endorsements. When you're making those kind of marketing campaigns and decisions, are the people you're partnering with and the things that you're endorsing and the things that you're promoting, are they consistent with your values as a company? And the more that you can be consistent with your own values, the more that your clients and your customers will reflect those values because they will be the ones that are attracted to doing business with you over your competitors, right? So like for me, when I think about my business, it's really focused on integrity, right? So uh, when I get prospects or leads coming in and we do an onboarding strategy call to talk about their business and if a podcast makes sense for them, quite often I tell them either it doesn't make sense to do a podcast right now for whatever reason, whether they need to focus their efforts on uh, you know, increasing their sales, or if they're not at a place revenue-wise or it makes sense to invest in a uh, initiative like a branded podcast, or they're just so early on that they don't know what they don't know. And so for me, being a person of integrity, I'm always just showing up to serve. I'm always just showing up to, to have a cons- consultative selling style where, yeah, if it's a great fit and I'm confident it's a great fit, I have no problem selling my services and saying, hey, this is how I can help you. This is why I think I'm the best fit for you. What do you think? How do we make this happen? I have no problem with that. But all of that is done through the lens of how can I do what's in your best interest? Because that's the 
integrity-driven thing to do, right? Honest marketing, honest podcasts. So everything that I do is really done through that lens. And so then people that are attracted to that kind of messaging that wants to do business with someone they can trust, that want to do business with someone who has their own best interests in mind and isn't simply look, looking to make a quick buck on their, uh, you know, at, at, at their uh, expense, they're the clients that end up coming through my website and doing business with me, right? Because everything that I do and everything that I think about when I position myself, my company, the brand that I'm building with Honest Podcasts, it's all through that lens. So you want to think through what are your core values? What are you known for? What do you want to stand for? And making sure that every marketing thing that you do, every sales-driven thing that you do, every sales conversation that you have is put through that framework as well. So there's a consistent message about who you are, what you stand for, and what you do, and how you make people's life better, right? Still thinking about what problems do you solve and how do you solve them? But being consistent so that people know what to expect from you and can very easily opt in or opt out because when they opt in, then they're really invested and they're really ready to go and they're really ready to buy from you, okay? So those are the three lessons, the the three top takeaways, I think, from uh, the Bud Light marketing fail. Number one, know your customer. Number two, avoid becoming a commodity. And number three, stay true to your values. If you can do those three things, then you can probably avoid a fate like the one that Bud Light is currently experiencing. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to do more marketing fail type stuff, send me an email, just hello at honestpodcasts.com. Let me know if there's another marketing campaign, another company you want me to look at and kind of deconstruct and look at uh, and see what we can pull from it, what lessons we can learn from it. But this has been fun for me to kind of look at the aftermath of everything and pull together some of these key principles. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. And until next time, be honest. (laughs) 